the poop primer. That's the name of today's little mini clip. Whilst I take my walk for the day, the poop primer. Kind of a little alliterative title right there. So today's topic is all about how to basically have good digestive health and the importance of a uh, bowel movement. And no, I'm not talking about the movement, which is a bowel movement. And well, I, like I said in the last show, I encourage everyone to distance themselves from that uh, J-box that the bowel movement is. We're talking about the importance of elimination and how when someone doesn't eliminate properly, which is a form of detox, I guess you could say, that can cause a lot of uh, issues, especially long-term. And oftentimes the medical allopathic, you know, other suffering community doesn't consider it really an issue unless someone's gone like a week without a BM. I would say you have to have at least one, if not possibly three per a day. Of course, there's a such thing as having too many and we don't want to do that either. It's all about balance. Remember, not too much of this or too much of that. I always want to kind of create that that middle ground, that kind of, you know, what they call third position, national socialism. We can take the same approach to elimination of the body that we do to other parts of our life. So there's going to be a little mini clip today about a couple of good tips that I think will help everyone because probably everyone, oops, a little pricker bush on the back of my foot, that hurt. Everyone has probably experienced an issue like this at least once in their life, if not possibly a little bit more frequently, well, depending on numerous factors. So first, a little bit about what stagnant waste can lead to. So when one does not eliminate waste efficiently, this is pretty gross, but anyway, it sits there getting dried up and reabsorbed whilst putting pressure on the pelvic bowl muscles. And yes, we've been taught all our lives it's a pelvic floor. That is a hollow hoax, like oedei or the hollow hoax. It's a bowl. It kind of rests in that area of your body as a bowl. And for ladies, our uterus uh, rests around that area as well, and it's, it's floating. So we can put pressure on this area of the body, which could even cause like low libido, inorgasmia, you know, just hypertonic or very, very tight muscles in this region. You know, all of this works together. You know, it's not just one problem and it's isolated like they like to think, you know, in Dr. Z with the whole compartmentalization of, of medicine. It's not like that. Everything works together in a, in a harmony or a symphony, or it works in the opposite direction as a cacophony. So what are some things that happen when we don't use the, the loo or the shitter on a regular basis? They can lead to things like estrogen dominance, which is a big hot button phrase nowadays, having headaches and migraines, having uh, acne and other skin issue, irritability and brain fog, hair loss and scalp issues, gut issues from an overabundance of uh, bacteria or yeast, which of course would be a healing or an adaptation, but it proliferates because it's a problem in the first place. Just all different types of balances like a gut dysbiosis, a liver that's overburdened, and like we said prior, pelvic bowl issues. So lots of issues can occur when one doesn't have the waste come out in a timely fashion. As we can see, this can become cumulative, right? If someone's on a stead where they're not having a BM on a regular basis, all of these issues become cumulative and chronic. So what are some of the root causes of this? The, you know, why someone wouldn't be able to use the loo in the first place. Let's talk a little bit about that. So one of them is slowed transit time from a sluggish metabolism. Of course, that's not really the root, root cause. That's just how the body is adapting to things, you know, based on 
I would say from a dramatic new medicine perspective, what it really comes down to, and of course food plays a, a bit of a role, I think, with everything, but they say in dramatic new medicine, it's an indigestible morsel conflict. I think one of the most common emotional conflicts someone could have from the dramatic new medicine perspective, this is when something happens in one's life and they cannot digest the news. It could be anything, a death, a birth, you know, a relationship ending, uh, a job. I mean, it could literally be anything, but that person, for whatever reason, is unable to process and digest this news, and this can affect their digestion. And of course, someone could have multiple indigestible morsel conflicts going back to childhood. And I think the hardest thing about dramatic new medicine isn't necessarily understanding it, because we all understand it or comprehend it rather when we're ready to, but it's finding out your own personal conflicts and your DHS, your Durkheimer syndrome, the initial shock that led to these conflicts. That's the most, I think, difficult aspect of this, but just something to keep in mind from an emotional perspective when we're talking about digestive health, because a lot of emotions go into digestive health. Just think about when people get a queasy stomach from maybe like a nasty comment, or they watch something on maybe Talmud Vision or their mobile device or their computer and it makes them feel uneasy, or think about when someone has butterflies in their stomach because they feel, you know, this giddy feeling of a new relationship. So it can work either which way, but just to get an idea of how emotions really deeply affect our second brain, which is the gut. So I think that's really the root sometimes of the slow metabolism. Of course, making ill food choices and living a shitty lifestyle are not going to benefit anybody, especially as one moves on throughout their years. Something else that can cause um, the inability to move waste out of the body or affect the ability in general would be intestinal irritation from excessive fermentable fiber. We're always told this hoax that meat rots in the colon. It's actually these fermentable fibers that rot in the colon. So again, another Zio inversion. We can expect this at this point. So if you're eating a lot of foods that are very high, like let's say in cellulose, like for example, the stalk of broccoli, right? That's pretty indigestible. If you have an abundance of this and your body can't break it down, especially if you have compromised you know, intestinal motility, let's say you have intestinal permeability, let's say you have low stomach acid, this is gonna really add up, especially over time, and it's gonna create what they call small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is an overgrowth of these fermentable fibers. And of course, there's an emotional context to that as well, but you're really not gonna do yourself any favors if you are eating all of these foods, which of course Zog recommends as being, you know, heart healthy and all this stuff. You're not gonna be doing yourself any favors eating any of this. And keep in mind that fiber is something everyone has to figure out their own tolerance for, and that can change throughout your life based on many factors, but there are diff difference between like, let's say the stalk of broccoli or even broccoli in general, which is a lot of fermentable sugars in it. And like, let's say eating a sweet potato or a beet or something like that. So I think we really have to, it's nuanced. It's not all fibers foul or all fibers amazing. It's about picking the ones that are less fermentable, right? Number three on the list would be not getting enough animal lipids for lubrication. We need, lubrication to use the loo. We're always taught in allopathy, it's all about fiber and water. That doesn't make much sense. How would we uh, lubricate machinery? Would we use fiber and water or would we use lipids? We would use lipids. 
So lipids, especially animal lipids, are very important for lubricating the intestine as well as for many other benefits that we've talked about in other broadcasts, as well as having enough enzymes and minerals. Those are basically the building blocks of using the loo well, is having adequate minerals. Of course, minerals make enzymes and having enough animal lipids. Something else on the list would be irritation from synthetic vitamins, iron, food additives, pesticides, you know, glyphosate, herbicides, fungicides, pesticides, all this zio sludge. This can definitely affect the, um, the gut microbiome. People who eat glyphosate, and keep in mind that essentially all the chicken in this country, if it's CAFO, you know, concentrated animal feeding operation, battery chicken, not the pastured stuff, which of course pastured stuff is going to cost a bit more. This all is laced with glyphosate and chickens number one meat here in America. It used to not be that way about a hundred years ago, but one of the reasons that so many people are so um, intensely obese or overweight or just misshapen isn't because they're eating tons of food, it's because all their food is glyphosate laced, especially all this chicken, you know, chicken sandwiches, chicken nuggets. It's like a lifestyle for a lot of people. A poor microbial balance could be from someone who maybe has an overgrowth, of course, which would be healing. You know, microbes facilitate healing. But if we have too many of them, that means that they're in there because they're doing some janitorial work. And if we have too little, maybe we wipe them out by doing all these enemas. Maybe we took all these parasite cleanses, all these antimicrobials, antifungals, antibacterials, antivirals. Even if they were, quote, holistic and natural, we still wiped out part of our biome. So it could go either which way. Something else would be bound up fascia from not moving enough or poor movement patterns. I think also sitting in furniture is a real reason why we see so much back pain and we see so much constipation issues, ill posture, uh, you know, sexual issues with a lot of people, especially as they get older. So you have to move and you have to have good movement patterns. Good posture is extremely important. You'll notice as people get older, their posture is piss poor. I see it in youngsters too. That's why something like yoga is really important for keeping your posture good. Something else would be pelvic bowl issues. We discussed a little bit prior, but that can happen from having a hypertonic pelvis. That could just happen from having all that stagnant waste be putting uh, you know, weight on the pelvic bowl. A nervous system imbalance, being constantly stressed, stuck in fight, flight, and freeze, right? That's definitely not gonna be good for taking a poop. Uh, low minerals, we we're talking about minerals and enzymes prior. You need to have enough salt, potassium, and magnesium. And with the potassium and the magnesium, yes, you can get it via your victuals or food, but it's really oftentimes a, a bit, uh, difficult to get it all from your food. So you definitely want to think about possibly adding in some supplementation for that. And something else, not hydrating with mineral-rich structured hydration. You know, water is great, especially if it's good filtered water. Alkaline water is a no because that will alkalize your stomach acid and you want to have a certain pH of your stomach, otherwise you can't break down your food. So whenever someone's drinking alkaline water, they're not doing themselves any favors at all. It's actually going to cause these bowel issues. So you want to get mineralized water, however that may be. That could be juices, that could be coconut water if that works for you. It could be milk, it could be bone broth, it could be herbal teas if you fancy that. It could be mineral water. These are just a couple of ideas. So those are some of the root causes along with the indigestible morsel conflict that we talked about. And now here are a couple of tips. Now you know the cause of these things. What are some tips that we can utilize from a food perspective and a lifestyle perspective to kind of uh, facilitate getting, getting to the bathroom essentially? So here are some ideas right here.
So you want to support your metabolism and your transit time by eating enough protein, you know, animal protein, bioavailable. Carbohydrates, easy to digest, not ones that have too much fermentable fiber, and saturated lipids from the right sources. So eating, eating an ancestral normal diet, which seems like a massive active resistance in this zio sludge world. Something else you can do is to find your tolerance with foods like raw vegetation, grains, beans, nuts, and seeds. If your gut is really jacked up and fucked up right now, you may have to go lean on those foods before you can introduce these things back in. And if someone's really devoted to healing their gut emotionally and physically and spiritually, all this type of sass, the gut is renewing, the intestines are renewing itself every five to seven days. The problem is, is that people keep on throwing shit in there and keep on having these emotions they can't digest and they get stuck in these hanging healings of chronic constipation, diarrhea, diarrhea, IBD, IBS, Crohn's, colitis, even possibly going as far as cancer. Right? So you really have to be vigilant about not eating the foods that you don't tolerate when you are healing. That's very important. And, you know, raw vegetation is is hard for most people to digest. I mean, that's why Ajnus Vanderpan has recommended that people take vegetable juice because the cellulose and all those fermentable fibers were devoid in the juice. Focusing on lipids, uh, saturated lipids, of course, butter and ghee, cream, um, beef or bison tallow or lamb tallow, duck fat, coconut oil, stuff like that, coconut cream. Opting for whole foods, not the store, but whole foods with minimal ingredients that you understand. So, you know, real food, not Zio uh, packaged sludge, essentially. Let's see, my phone just went blank. One moment. Supporting your micro microbial diversity, not diversity, by enjoying nature, the soil, the dirt, um, raw foods, fermented foods, and by raw foods, you know, raw animal foods, raw milk, raw cream, raw egg yolks, raw butter, um, you know, sushi, sashimi, steak tartare, carpaccio, tataki, which is just seared on the outside. Every culture has, has these things uh, in their culinary lexicon. Massage and move your torso in different directions daily. Of course, a lot of yoga practices will do this. This is very important. Don't make a habit of suppressing the urge to poop uh, because when you suppress it, you kind of lose that anorecto sensation. Some people are so badly constipated and they have such pelvic bowl issues, they don't even have that poop signal anymore because it's been so suppressed. Take deep belly breaths and be mindful of what drives stress. So that's the whole point of dramatic new medicine is that you become aware of your emotional conflicts. So when you do have them come up, you find a way that you can diffuse them. You have an antidote, right? Getting enough magnesium, potassium, sodium. We talked about that prior. And getting mineral-rich hydration, fresh juice, raw milk, coconut water, broth, kefir, uh, all of this groovy stuff, mineral water. So this is a good way to really focus on getting in the right foods and the foods that are going to help with this because there's so much food out there that is really not going to help us at all. And something else, we want to support our estrogen to progesterone ratio by nourishing ourselves with all these foods, ditching toxic products, super important, you know, getting rid of the toxic, you know, laundry detergents and the toxic shampoos and the toxic makeup and the toxic soaps. Also for us ladies reconnecting to our menses or our menstrual cycle and not using the Zio sludge products for our, our moon cycle, you know, using 
cotton pads that are organic or you know a moon cup or one of those diva cups or using cotton pads cotton tampons things like that not any of the sludge that's available and you know cvs or whatever and there are some binding fibers that you might want to take in that will help bind and move you know excess hormones outside of, out of the system and that can be things like a raw carrot as well as bamboo shoots some people recommend very well-cooked mushrooms, but I'm not too keen on that. I'm someone who occasionally will use more of the Asian varietals of mushrooms and stir flies and, and bone broths, you know, ramens and things like that. But I think that in general, this whole mushroom buzz of like, you know, mushroom powders and, you know, eating all these mushrooms to bind these fibers, mushrooms from a macrobiotic perspective and from an Ital or a Rastafari diet perspective are considered a dead food. So I don't know if this is the best thing for us. Plus they can be a bit hard to digest. At least I've noticed that myself personally. I think the best mushrooms are the ones that, you know, when you eat them, the little gnomes come out if you catch my drift. So I would really stick with the carrot and the, the bamboo shoots, albeit the bamboo shoots are typically canned want to avoid canned foods and they typically have a bit of citric acid in them. You could also use things like beets and um, just having fruit. I find that a fruit smoothie bowl where the fruit is totally pureed and pulverized, that actually really helps with going to the bathroom and you can add a little bit of cream to that, whether you fancy the animal cream from, you know, goat or sheep or cow or whether you fancy the coconut cream. And it's also really nice to add a little bit of bee pollen on top. That's a very nutrient dense uh, lunch or, well, for me, it would be a breakfast and stuff with some chicken sausage and some tea. But yeah, that's pretty much about it for today. Just a couple of tips right there about the root causes of why someone wouldn't be able to use the loo, indigestible morsel conflicts, what constipation can lead to if it becomes long-term, and just some food and lifestyle ideas that can help us quell this. This is a big problem these days. Like I was talking about in the last show, Rooting Into Our Sovereignty, I think we live in this culture with all this poop emojis. I've even seen like poop emoji themes for youngsters' parties, which is pretty, pretty, uh, vile if you ask me. Not that poop is disgusting, it's just that there's a time and place for it. It's not supposed to be decor for a child's birthday. It's supposed to be something that all, you know, animals and humans do as a regular part of their, you know, their day and we get on with it. I think one of the reasons this culture is so poop obsessed, besides the fact that the oives are poop obsessed and tend to have lots of digestive ills, by the way, which I think comes from uh, race mixing and, and things like that, which, you know, degrade the racial barcode. But I think one of the reasons we have this poop-centric culture is because we have so many digestive issues. It's like the opposite side comes out. And I think if we had less digestive issues as a culture and society, we wouldn't have this poop culture. And of course, uh, we probably wouldn't have this, this oive Talmudic miasma. This, it's, all, it's all Abrahamic, essentially, right? And it's not like we shouldn't ever talk about this. Like Some people are like, oh, we should never talk about poop. Then we're going to be like, you know, we're basically the oives. Like, we have to talk about it because it's an issue for a lot of our people. How many people do you know who have a digestive issue? Like, or died from, you know, because of it, because they were poisoned by, you know, Dr. Z or Big Z. So this is an important thing to talk about. I mean, not the most uh, appetizing of topics, but nevertheless, important. So I think I'll leave it at that for this Friday. I hope you're having an amazing day, wherever you are in this white world. I'm having an amazing day. I'm going to finish my walk right now, and uh, we'll be connecting again soon on the next little uh, clip or, or show. Okay, everybody. Bye-bye.